Welcome to Gaming Casual, the gaming podcast where we talk about games casually. I'm your host, Sedge, and I'm joined by my co-host, Lightsaber Ninja. Stop. And Control Freak. Good evening, everybody. And Twilight. Hi. And this week we're changing stuff up a little bit. We're not going to do our normal... We're not talking about video games this week. Uh, This week we are talking about something near and dear to all of our hearts, which is the wonderful world of tabletop role-playing games. So D&D, Pathfinder, Shadowrun, all those lovely fun games. So I guess a good place to start is going down the line. And uh, how did you all get into the tabletop RPG scene? Uh, Control, why don't we start with you? Well, my history is a lot shorter than everybody else's, but uh, my... First campaign I ever was a part of was actually 40K. Uh, Yeah, it was a um, Dark Heresy campaign. And I had a Vindicare Assassin, except I had him styled... Obviously, this was years ago. I had him styled off of uh, Ezio Auditori from Assassin's Creed. Well, that I, just doesn't fit in a 40k universe. He was a noble. and Because yeah. nobles exist in the 40k universe. There's just, you know, you never really deal with them. They had a whole backstory and whatnot, but... Uh, the campaign was mild, was somewhat short-lived... Mostly because of how off the rails we ended up getting by the end of the campaign. Like, I think we ran, I want to say it was six six sessions. At the end of the fourth session, we had to kill off a character because the player rage quit the game. Oh, damn. Um... The character was a sniper. He was on a roof. He had previously killed three other snipers on various rooftops because we were assaulting a camp a uh, uh, a compound. It was a compound, but fortress okay. compound, whatever you want to call it. Um, but he had taken out multiple snipers from his position on this roof, and he starts getting shot at by the other snipers. And we tell him, "You can like." Because it's a roof, so they have the edge line. It's like, you can take cover behind the edge line and try to escape. There is a exit, like a, a doorway exit that you can try and go out of. Keep in mind, they currently have your bead. Like, they have your position because you've shot three shots from this rooftop. Like, they know where you are. I make a run for the door, is what the character chooses. He gets shot in the back. Drop down to one wound. He is basically on death's door and he is bitching about this fact. I thought I had cover. No, you had half cover when you were at the edge of the building. You ran out of cover to go to the doorway and you got shot. That's what happened. Like the DM is just straight face. Just this is what happened to you. You have to deal with that. He meets up with the rest of the party uh, we were on ground, we were breaking into a side entrance, and he joins up with the rest of the party, he's still complaining about this fact, and one of the other dudes just interrupts him and says, 
in total 40k fashion, I didn't think that service to the Emperor ended with a scratch. Damn. And the dude just closes his book, packs his shit, and leaves the room. What wow. a little bitch. Not a word. Just thump. Packs his shit up and walks out. And we're all just sitting there like, the fuck just happened? And we ended up rolling with it. And we basically just said, his character died of shame to the Emperor. <laughs> that is the official canon ending for that particular character. We replaced hmm. said character with a limo driver NPC because we apparently rolled high enough to convince him to ram a barricade with a limo, handed him a shotgun, and he ended up being the biggest damage dealer out of all of us. <laughs> I mean, aren't shotguns built for high damage? Yeah, but the the funny part is that it was a limo driver, just some straight-up <laughs> Alfred type there. Why, yes, sir, I will take your shotgun. Pretty oh, you much. Seem, you seem to have gotten a slug through the chest. Considering How drab for you. He literally fought a demon. My character got feared by the it's demon. I didn't do anything. It's this motherfucker. Whoever that does. butler is in Helsing. Oh, Walter. well, no, yeah. Walter. Walter. Walter uses wires. Um, Alfred actually, in one of the comics, does use a shotgun. Although he, almost actually, I think he might have died in that particular comic because it was the Joker. Oh, Joker. was that the was that the killing joke? It wasn't killing joke. Uh, I can't remember which specific comic it was at this point because uh, it was a long time ago. But the Joker is in the Batcave. He has knocked out Batman. And all of a sudden, he gets blasted by a shotgun blast and knocked back. And it's just Alfred sitting there cocking a shotgun saying, basically saying, I don't have the same qualms against killing as Bruce does. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce is the one with the moral compass. I served in the Second World War. Pretty much. Um, about a limousine oh. driver or shotgun. Yeah. And he ended up critical rolling on this demon at the end of the campaign and shot it into two pieces. Like, max damaged this shot and decimated this thing that had been kicking our asses. And we're all just sitting there like, what the actual fuck happened? <laughs> how, how did random schmuck become MVP? <laughs> Because his service to the Emperor was so loyal. Yeah. Or his, his love for the Emperor was so grand. <laughs> that's actually that's actually one I want to get into, because I have all the Dark Heresy books, thanks to Humble Bundle. Yeah. Some so of the I, I scans be. from that, though, are kind of bad. Like, some of the, you yeah. can't read certain texts, because it transitions from black text on a light background to a slightly darker background with white text. Ooh. So th there are portions where you literally just, you can't read, like, one singular box of information. <laughs> oh, no. Bad design it's, choice. It's, again, well, it's because it was a hand scan. It's like someone, you know, stripped the binding of a book and scanned each page one at a time. Mm. And they just, they did poor scan quality. 
Um, you can still you can get enough information out of the books though to be able to play it just oh, fine. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's definitely one I'd be down to try. But that's a hell of an intro to tabletop. Yeah, my my next intro was a year and a half, two year campaign that the guys had been playing for two years prior to me joining. Oh, is this the one you did at the vape mm. shop? No, that one was only a couple of weeks. Um, uh. This was the same group of guys as the Dark Heresy one. Uh, basically, Dark Heresy was my intro to most of these guys in D&D. And then after the end of that, they were like, hey, you know, we've got this long-standing one that we've been doing on Saturdays. Did you want to join in on that? I was like, sure, why not? So I ended up rolling another rogue, basically. And uh, it wasn't bad, but the DM, like, he had a grand scheme, and it was a grand campaign. Like, they'd been doing this for multiple years, but it just got very confusing at one point, and it was like, one specific character was the focus of every single thing. So it was like, he gets this mystical mace. He becomes this special person to the nation. He becomes this. And the rest of us were just like, the Tagalongs. Well, I guess we're just chop liver then. Pretty much. It was like any one of the other characters could have died and been replaced and no one would bat an eye. But if this guy passed, it was the end of the campaign. 100%. Uh God, that's just bad DMing. Yeah. Again, like the the overall setting wasn't bad and we all did have fun, but you could tell that it was it was railroaded and focused on one specific person for every interaction. Yeah. It's bad DMing, but it is an easy trap to fall into. It is. Yeah. No, you're right. It definitely is an easy trap. I, I don't fault any DMs who do it because well, like you said, it's an easy trap to fall into, but... I feel like that's exactly what I do. We'll discuss some TM stuff stories later in the episode. Mm -hmm. uh, Twy, why don't you tell us how you got started with Tabletop? I had this friend, and one day, she messaged me, Do you play Dungeons & Dragons? No. Have you ever played Dungeons & Dragons? No. Do you know what Dungeons & Dragons is? Yes. Here's a conversation with the DM. Make a character. Yes? Question mark. <laughs> That's exactly Fun what fact. I, I said. Yes? Question mark. And then she's like, "Here, have a conversation with the DM. He'll help you make a character." But she said it in Swedish. <laughs> because what? She, she's from Denmark, right? Yeah, she's from Denmark. Yeah. You know how so she Danish said it, but in Danish. <laughs> Sorry, I meant Danish. I thought I wouldn't understand a thing she said if she said it in a different language. I barely know English. That's fair. <laughs> fun fun fact for everybody listening, that's actually how uh, we met. Yeah, so I got pushed into a conversation with this DM, and the DM is struggling to try to introduce the game to me and make a character when he's a new DM himself. So it was a rather odd process of me trying to figure out how the freaking math table for Pathfinder ability scores work. Because forget using a simple calculator, apparently he forgot to mention those to me till the next campaign. So 
I made myself a lizard folk ranger who was chaotic neutral because I figured he didn't want an evil character, but I liked playing jackasses for characters. But and you chose such... a ranger. I thought you were a magus. No, that the campaign I joined you guys in was the second campaign I was in. Oh. But the setting for my first game was Diablo. Oh, that's right, because your first game technically wasn't with the pirate game, was it? No. It was with... Diablo. Uh, yeah. I, I've never played Diablo. I've never seen anyone play Diablo, but my friend wanted me to play this game with them because she knew I liked playing Jackass's char- Jackass characters. And it went okay-ish, sort of. We had a few run-ins, and my character never got around, never got along well with the paladin. But there was a lot of running jokes that my character was so narcissistic that he loved the paladin just because the paladin had really reflective plate armor. Hmm. And the one time anyone has ever seen that paladin without his full frontal, full face helmet on, was when my character walked in on him talking to his damn fear friend. And my character looked at him and said, eh, I liked it better with the helmet on, and then walked out. <laughs> and when he when he got an armor upgrade that wasn't shiny, my character suddenly lost interest in him. And then he died to a lich crushing him within his own armor. My character was the only one that went through the trouble of actually organizing a wake and feast and party and all that to send him off. He even sat out of the next adventure in order to go buy some stuff to make a memorial for him. The character that the paladin brought back in was also a paladin. And surprise, surprise, it turned out to be the exact same character, which made both my character and the Demfear friend mad because he was in the party for several sessions and didn't tell anyone who he was. Oh, don't worry, guys. I'm his twin brother. He's told me so many stories about you guys that I feel like I know you personally. It's beer fest all over. Yeah. Oh my god. The biggest, the biggest upset in movie. Well, or Scrubs actually, because they did that in Scrub too. Scrubs too. It wasn't even the twin brother. No. It wasn't. Yeah, with Laverne. It was literally he took his character's name and made the last name the first name and the and the first name the last name and. We never actually asked for this character's last name, apparently. So we just assumed it was a new character. Until the god, the freaking god of his faith, showed up to tell us about fighting Diablo and referred to him by name. Yeah, this, this campaign also had a problem with angels showing up. I mean, it's Diablo. Really, my, character, <laughs> yeah. my character really hated this angel and pretty much anyone having to do with the whole good faith. And he actually got into a lot of heated arguments with this angel. So my character had a habit of getting into angry arguments with this angel, and the only reason he didn't attack the guy was because the paladin would get in the way. And paladins and Pathfinder, after a certain level, especially with this player, tended to be maxed out to hell and back. Uh, yes, min-maxing. min-max. 
And we know this because we literally went to the Nine Hells in this campaign and had a lot of fun trying to get around there with, with a paladin. Oddly, my character fit in very well in the Nine Hells. His lizardfolk apathy worked very well when it came to talking to demons because he could go in and go into one of their parties and have fun, including playing pinata with a freaking human soul. Soul. Oh dear God, that's morbid. <laughs> but yeah. awesome. He had no qualms because, as far as he was concerned, the reason they were there is because they did something horrible in life. Why not join in the fun? Oh, there you go. Yeah, you know what? That's fair. What's the funny part where he... Apparently, the DM wanted to tempt my character, so he gave Asmodeus this incubus pretty much steward. And... My character didn't, didn't like the Incubus all that much, but he did get into a lot of fights with Asmodeus. At one point, Asmodeus just got annoyed with him and turned him into a gecko for a few rounds. So I had a lot of fun just saying the character crawled up on top of the nearest player and just kept squeaking. His little insults to the devil. And as we were leaving that... No, wait. At one point in the Nine Hells, my character failed a will save with an at one. But the, oh, DM, God. the DM would not tell me what happened. He kept me wondering for days and days and days. Literally, he went through whole sessions not telling me what the freaking nat one save was. And suddenly my character starts waking up in in homes that he didn't fall asleep in. And usually accompanied with a very elaborate set of torture devices and a freshly tortured dead corpse. Oh, were you possessed by a demon? Possessed by a ghost of a serial killer, I think he said. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my character just took that in stride, thinking that that was a normal thing to happen in the Nine Hells. And these were demons that ended up dead, so... Eh. But as we were leaving... One, I was late to session that day, so my character lost his chance to sleep with the Incubus. That was pretty funny because the deity was said that he delayed starting the games just so that my character could have that that shot. That was one day I overslept, but I, we left, and I thought at this point that my character would have to, you know, have some kind of moral duel with a serial killer ghost inside his head for a while. But instead, we stepped out of the door to the Nine Hills, and the paladin's angel deity decided to descend down, grapple my character, and yank the soul out of out of him. And my character, naturally, saw this as an attack, so he started trying to kill this angel. And the paladin is taking the angel's side, because there was a ghost inside the character. Obviously, it should be removed. But my character was like, he didn't say anything about that. He just came down and, grab and grabbed me and started yanking a soul out. Because... Which, for all your character known, could have been your soul. Yeah. Which, how can you not see that as a threat? You Well, you don't. You, just... It's a threat. Sounds like a lot of miscommunication. Angels are like that. The paladins <laughs> and the wizard folk did not get along well at all. Including to the point where, when we were actually going through the dungeon to get to Diablo's prison... We, my character started hearing voices in his head several floors up from 
I guess a museum would be a good way to put it. That museum had all kinds of evil artifacts, and the whispering my character's been hearing for ages was coming from a suit of armor. And it had an official name, but I just called it the Red Crimson Suit of Evilness. <laughs> and it just kept... The Evil Suit of Evil! Well, that was pretty much what I called it, because that was its entire point. It was a suit of armor that was evil. It was like the Ring of Sauron in armor form. <laughs> and my character just wanted to have it, because it was a very Fuck it, why suit not? of armor. And my character didn't didn't lose anything by having it, as far as he was concerned. But the paladin, oh, the paladin kept saying, "No, don't do this. I will hit you if you do this. I will kill you if you if you touch it." But our alchemist decided to also want to poke and prod at a grimora that was on the other side of the room. So while the paladin was distracted, my character stole the armor, and the paladin actually rolled a perception on this and got like a three because all the perception stuff was left to the two rangers of the group one of which was me and so my character sounds like a certain cursed ring (laughs) yes hmm and so my character had this evil armor of evilness for a while but he had to make will saves every session to not put on the armor because it was a will it was a will save because he knew the paladin would be angry because the paladin at this point didn't know he had the armor. But How were you hiding an entire suit of armor? That was my. Holding. That was going to be my question. Okay. Holding. But at one point, fair, fair we figured out that. Well, I guess. At one point in the dungeon, we actually came across a deck of many things, and instead of drawing the cards, because even I, who'd never played D anD D before, knew the deck of many things was a no no good thing. My character picks up the entire deck and carries it around with him for half the campaign before anyone realized that he had it. And So you played a kleptomaniac. Yes. My character literally slept on a giant hoard of gold. He had like 60,000 plus gold at the end of the campaign, which is still irritating to me for reasons I will get to. But our alchemist friend decided, or his player decided, that he wanted to play with a deck of many things. And so he kept drawing and drawing until eventually his soul got locked in a plane of suffering. And my character seemed to be the only one who actually wanted to go get his friend back. The paladin was like, no, we gotta deal with Diablo. He drew from the car, from the deck, it's his problem to get out. But I was like, no. I mean, to be fair, I'd probably take the paladin's side on that. If you're dumb enough to draw from the deck of many things. Yeah, but he's a he was a bluff or neutral good paladin and it was actually a good metaphor at the end because my character his character would let would let his allies burn to save the world my character would let the world burn to save his allies so they actually had good parallels there but the paladin actually uh missed session the session following that so my character won by default and we went to go get our alchemist saved her, came back, and during this transition where the paladin was missing, my character failed his save to keep the armor off. So he donned this new set of armor. Following session, paladin notices my character's wearing this armor and attacks him. Or, wait, refires this because it would be unfair to say he attacked him. My character failed another will save 
after the paladin yelled at him for putting the armor on. And the armor told him to kill the paladin. So this ranger attacks a paladin who is very good at smiting evil, which this armor automatically made my character. So he knocks my character out, manages a nat 20 to remove the evil armor of evilness that was fused onto my character's skin at this point, and hauled my character out of the dungeon they were in and threw him in jail. The townsfolk of this town did not like my character because he was the only one that realized earlier in the campaign that building a wall did nothing against a freaking flying castle. Apparently, well, he was, yeah, obviously. Apparently, he was now public enemy number one, not only because he was a lizard folk, but also because he incited a panic by being the only one that pointed that back out. My character wakes up in prison, angry, without his gear. And skin. No, apparently it didn't peel his skin off, too. Well, that's lucky for him. Because there's a decent chance that armor that fused to your skin will peel your skin off. Well, it wasn't supposed to come off. It, the paladin had to get a nat 20 in order to get it off. He just lucked out on that nat 20. But but, but shouldn't that have still peeled your skin off? <laughs> Since is. you said it was fused to your skin? That was just how he described it. He said that when the paladin looked for the seam of the armor, he couldn't tell where the armor started him or the armor ended and my character's skin started. And so but... he just started pulling. <laughs> But yes, my character woke up in prison without his gear and without his evil armor of evilness that he was now addicted to. So he was angry, pissed off, and pacing around his cage trying to think of a spell that could get him out. Because in Pathfinder, Rangers actually have spellcasters. Well, they do in D&D as well. Like in Dungeons and Dragons, they are also spellcasters. Yeah, but... Apparently my character didn't need to wait very long because a minute later the DMPC rogue breaks him out of prison and they go back to the group headquarters so that my character could get his stuff and leave and along with getting his armor back. Turns out that the paladin couldn't destroy the armor so he sent it away with uh, some clerics of his deity to try to destroy later. But he also destroyed my sword... And I was pissed off because that sword was insanely expensive. It was like a plus five rapier, keen rapier with s several different bonuses I had to pay premium quality for. And I had all of five sessions before he just decided, no, this weapon reads as evil. My character's going to spite it. I don't think you can smite a weapon. He <laughs> just said, he just up and said, I asked what, where he kept my... Uh, gear so that my character could rearm himself and maybe rejoin the party in the dungeon for a funny moment to I don't know, yell between the char the, char the two characters about how my character should still be in jail but no, he just said oh, my paladin would have broke it. Yeah, see at that point okay, so well, first off, number one, I love how your intro to D&D became a full on recap of your first campaign <laughs> I didn't want to stop you because you were very much into it I'm still, I'll have a bit more because that wasn't the end of oh, the campaign. Oh, I know, yet. I know you do, but just hang on a sec, because <laughs> this brings up another. It, that's a good. It's a good point to kind of discuss players interacting with each other, because that is one hundred percent. Um, 
a big part of D&D. Because, yes, there are certain things in which my character would do this. But you're actively screwing over another player. Or it cost me, at the end, like 40,000 gold. Hefty. Mm-hmm. And it was Darth Vader's lightsaber, pretty much. God damn. I mean, did any other character have something comparable to that? The Paladin had a ton of gear. He upgraded his stuff to the hell and back, too. Pretty much everyone upgraded their stuff to hell and back, which is why, it, in the end, I had to spend my money to get my gear upgraded, because I couldn't just get good gear from the dungeon anymore. Hmm. So, at, in the end, I was preparing for a fight against Diablo. I wanted to upgrade my stuff to be comparable. So, I upgraded the sword to plus five with several different aspects that I can't remember quite yet. But, because one of the aspects was feeling a evil aura from the weapon, that was justification enough for the paladin to destroy the weapon when my character attacked him. And I think we're going to have to give a quick recap on what a lot of these terms mean. Because, <laughs> uh... That was what really pissed me off. And seeing as my gear was gone, my character decided okay, I'm going to wait for this to blow over and buy myself some new stuff later. So my character goes to his room and curls up on his massive treasure pile that probably reached the ceiling at that point. Because I still had extra gold after spending so much, I could buy another weapon. No, I broke out of out of prison, so the paladin was coming after my character with the intent to kill because my character refused to go back to prison. My character did not hurt anyone getting back into our headquarters. He was very adamant that he would stay there with his treasure until all this was over. And the paladin's just like, no, you're going to prison. And at one point, the Dampier actually got in between the two of them. No, wait, it wasn't the Dampier. It was the Alchemist. Twy, I think we have to inform our listeners what some of these things mean. Which things? Literally half the terms you've just said. (laughs) Because... Yeah, I don't... Yeah. Remember, this is Gaming Casual. The gaming podcast where we talk about games casually. Some of our listeners may not know what these are. A knight of a holy order that has a lot of spells specifically engineered to killing demons and evil stuff. I I mean, I feel like they'd understand Paladin, but maybe not Dampier. Yeah, unless you've seen the Blood Rain movies. Dampier is a half half vampire that... Or Blade. (laughs) Yeah, just blade yeah it's blade or oh dear god what the name what's the name of the chick oh rain duh blood rain <laughs> derp <laughs> derp but but yeah our- also <laughs> like bag of holding and all that magic bag that allows you to put stuff in it without worrying about the weight you know just wanted to clarify some things continue and this got in the way because Well, she kind of owed her life to my character for he's the only one that wanted to go save her. So she got in the way. The paladin threatens her. So he tries to push her out of the way and my character lashes out at him angrily with his claws because he's a lizard folk. They get to use natural weapons like that. And so the paladin took that as a hostile gesture to kill Ogre. So he just starts smiting the absolute living hell out of my character. And smiting for a paladin does, like, times eight damage. 
especially against an evil character. At this point, the DM pretty much ruled my character was evil because of all the corruption he refused to get cured because it didn't hurt him at that time. I admit that that was probably not the wisest decision on my part. But yeah, my character went down really quickly without armor or weapons of his own. And so the tiefling alchemist grabbed my character and fled, leaving all my treasure behind. Tieflings are half-demons, by the way. Yeah. They are generally human-type people born due to an infernal curse of some kind. Mm-hmm. And they're my favorite race to play. <laughs> yeah. So that was the end for my character. There was no way he could return in that campaign. The boss fight was the next session. So I didn't even bother making a new character for that boss fight. So I was in that campaign for over half of it. And I didn't even get to take part in the boss fight because, yes, I was salty about my character getting butted out because of the paladin. I very much remember this story when it happened, because you messaged me basically right after it happened, angrier than shit. Yep. Oh, and boy. Time in the middle of all of that, I got invited to another game by the same person that put me in the Diablo campaign. And, and with, that's and how we met. And that's how I met Light and Shane. And I'm pretty sure the DM had some sort of crush on me. You can say pretty sure. Me and Light are still convinced. Speaking of which, hey Light, what got you into d and <laughs> I don't know if I could even begin at this point. Mine's so boring. Everyone like started was... somewhere. Yeah. Twy just decided to go from intro to full-on first campaign recap. Or on first campaign rant. Yeah, that, that, yeah, okay, yeah, that was a rant. Funnily enough, I've played, like, four or five games now, and I'm in the middle of DMing y'all's guys' game for Thursday. I've never actually been in a campaign where I was in it from start to finish. Well, I'll have to, we'll have to fix that, but, Light, what, what got you into D&D? Come on. Alright, I was never interested in D&D, it always seemed too nerdy for me. Mm-hmm. Also, I was predisposed against it because I was part of the second wave of the Satanic Panic. So, like, no Harry Potter, no D&D, nothing like that. And then, uh, I remember one day I met this dude that was real cool. Uh, he was a co-worker of my partner's, and he and I were just bullshitting about video games and stuff, and he was like, dude, you gotta come over to my house sometime and play D&D. And I, honest to God, looked down on him at that moment. I was like, oh, you you play D&D, fucking nerd. <laughs> and he's like, we just spent an hour and a half talking about video games, you're a nerd too. <laughs> <laughs> and it was at that moment Light had a realization and had to rethink his life. Well, it it did kind of hit me. And then come like 2016, D&D was like everywhere. There was Stranger Things and every podcast was covering D&D. And there were articles about like, you know, how prisons are using it for uh, therapy and stuff. I didn't even, I never even reached Critical World. You didn't even hear about it until I met you. Instead, I was introduced to D&D through Harmontown. I've still and... never watched a single episode of Critical Role. 
Yeah, same. Well, it, I watched the Vin Diesel special. Oh, that's that a good one. one where he plays the witch hunter. Yeah. The, it it was okay, I'm sure. Like if you're into it, it then it might be even better, but like Harmontown is really what got me into it. And there's a difference between Harmontown and Harmon Quest, though I I love Harmon Quest. But uh but Harmontown D&D was so hilarious that I was like I need to I need to try my hand at this. And I started looking around for it. I found a game through Tay, um, Kotaku's Talk Amongst Yourself. And the less I say about that, the better, but it was just one session. I spent like two weeks building up my character and trying to figure out what was going on. Then we just had like a single session that was over forever. And uh, through there, I ended up meeting the DM that ran the pirate game where we all met. And so that's my it. favorite moments in that entire campaign was one, all the moments that we've had that we had in discord chats because we enjoyed our character so much that we ended up getting the DM to make discord chats for us to role play out of session. Best moments in that campaign were in text, not in game. Except the last session after everyone was dead and my character Beat a beat the lich Asarak to death with a wooden stick, which he still shouldn't have been able to do. I don't know, but your your character was angry enough that it, it's that it's that picture of Doom guy slaughtering demons with the headline text of "Man literally too angry to die." I liked it, although my character apparently went on to become the villain of the next campaign. That's, yeah, that I'm not entirely sure if he even got off the ground because after he Again, tried to give away after he tried to give away everyone's characters to new players, I blocked Well I made just my I made my characters sheet Twi- private. Twi- Twi. <laughs> we we don't have to go into the specifics of that DM. Why? Because our listeners don't want to hear us rant about someone they've never heard. Yeah, but it was through him that I met you too. Which is which is the fine that's a fine thing to share. But like if I met you guys through a coworker, I don't then need to tell you about like my co coworker's colonoscopy. <laughs> we'll, I don't we'll think we get, ever want to know about your coworker's colonoscopy. Yeah, no. No. I don't know. Us ranting about that DM for months is what makes me paranoid that you guys talk behind my back about how bad I am at DMing. We don't talk about how bad you are at DMing because you're not bad at it. You say that, but... Anyway, so I, I guess... Light, did you have anything else to add to that? Uh, how you got started, or...? No, I mean, I met you guys. We played D&D, that's it. Okay, well, I guess that makes it my turn. It um... all started when I was a wee lad. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that because I've... I. If my grandpa had started me playing D&D, if he had gauged I had any interest in playing it, and I wouldn't have been the only grandchild that would have been interested in playing, because I know my sister and my two cousins wouldn't have been interested. They were also all too young at the time. Hmm. But no, my my first introduction to D&D was actually uh, in 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons, which... I just heard the collective dry heave from D&D fans that listen that might listen to this episode. 
I feel your pain. The one that everyone says is a jumbled mess. Yes. But I started with that with um uh with Chi, the person who did our channel art, shout out to her. Um started with her and a couple of other friends of ours playing a fourth edition game. Actually, no, that's not even my first no, that's right. I forgot. I started off playing three point five. My friends just asked me to roll a character and I had no idea what I was doing. It was pretty much the same as me. Yeah, basically. They they said, Shane, you want to roll a character? Uh, sure. I've never done this before. And since they had been playing for a while, I had no idea what I was doing. But in that game, some, my character killed somebody in a dream sequence. <laughs> and when we all woke up, my buddy's character decided to kill me. Kill my character because of what happened in the dream. Hmm. <laughs> And I was like, wait, what? It was a dream. Like, your character wouldn't harbor actual resentment towards me for that. What's wrong with you? But yeah, that was my first introduction to D&D was uh, D&D 3.5. So the one that everybody says is the best edition, which I, I don't agree with. Well, I, I enjoy 3.5. It's just that there were some things, although it still carries over even to now. Um, yeah. My biggest thing against 3.5 was wizards trivialized the entire game. If you had a wizard who had access to fireball, every fight was trivialized. Oh, I thought you meant wizards as in wizards of the coast. No, I'm talking about the class. You're you're talking about the class wizards. Yeah, no, I had uh, in the campaign I was talking about for standard D&D, not uh, Dark Heresy, our wizard... Cast a fireball that used 15 d20s for damage. Holy shit. Like, he had every little meta magic feat that just, all right, it maximizes and doubles and this, that, and the other thing. And it was like, the the DM just kind of looked at the the dice he was gathering for damage because it was that or we had to find more D6s and we said, fuck it, we'll just roll D20s. And the DM was just like, don't even bother rolling it. Like, the dude is dead. I don't even care what you end up rolling. He's dead. The dude decided to roll it anyways and it was in the hundreds of damage. Like, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, a, it was stupid. And me of when you guys decided it was a smart idea to throw a fireball at a fire dragon god. I didn't decide that. <laughs> but um, I would like to point out that, that was the the party. Uh, I forget. Oh, that was the party wizard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the party wizard. All <laughs> oh, right. Um, but yeah, no that that was always kind of my thing against three five was how broken wizards could get compared to most other classes. Like, yes, paladins can smite to the end of the day. Like, and smiting hurts like a bitch, but it's not going to one-shot 90% of the things you're going to come across. Are wizards glass cannons? Yes. I made a paladin in a later game, and I made her specifically to be able to one-shot the hell out of things. Oh, is that your centaur? Yes. 
I have Horse her people. able to charge with a lance and impale you on on the end of it, and you're stuck on it until until like you try to actually grapple yourself out. And because she was a centaur with insane strength, she had a huge grapple. Except if you're stuck on the lance, it's not a grapple at that point. But that would be that would be an argument for like the DM and rule of cool. Yeah, that um, that's we, we'll get to rule of cool in just a minute here because I I want to take a quick break. That wasn't rule of cool. That was just a feat. Well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I but, I would I would read that feat differently then because if you're stuck on a lance, it's not really a grapple, a grapple. at that point. But yeah, that well, we can discuss rule of cool and rule interpretation in a moment. Yeah. And just so, because it's relevant now rather than later, the paladin in my jumbled up mess of a story, he did actually come to me later to apologize, saying that he didn't realize how important that, how precious that first character was to me because he'd been in so many games before he's used to characters dying. He huh. didn't realize that because it was my first game, that character was particularly was particularly precious to me. So seeing him so royally fucked like that really hurts. And that's how you got the jaded and cynical Twilight we all know and love. Hmm. <laughs> in the game that he that that paladin ran later, even though I'm not entirely sure that game's gonna get back off the ground because he hasn't brought up wanting to run another session for it. Pity, I miss my vampire. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're gonna take a very quick break. I know it's kind of late in the episode. For a break, but uh, given the subject matter, I can actually tell you the promos for the podcasts we're going to be playing. Uh, we're going to run a promo for Missing Role Player Found and Realms and Nerds. So listen to the promos and then go check out those shows if it, you're interested in listening to D&D actual play podcasts. And we'll be right back in just fancy. a second. Hey guys, Snow here. I just wanted to give a real quick intro. Snow, what are you doing? Uh, Grog, I'm in the middle of something. I can see that. Wait, wait a minute. Microphone, headset, script. Are you recording the new promo? Yes, Grog, I was recording the new promo. But without me, but I'm the master of toast. Plus, I've been practicing. Okay, fine. You can help. I'll read the script. Just chime in when you feel like you have something important to say. Yes. Hi guys, Snow here. And Grog. <laughs> I just wanted to give a real quick introduction to our podcast, Missing Role Player Found. We are an actual play Pathfinder podcast following the adventures of the Odd Guild. That's for killed. We were all living our normal lives until we tried the latest MMORPG. And that's when we found out we were all trapped in the game and we could die. Oh, but don't worry. We still find plenty of time to have fun. Sometimes a little too much fun, if you know what I mean. Yes, Grog, I think we all do. And that's why it took us so long to finish the last floor. Hey, that one wasn't my fault. Any of that sound interesting? Why don't you check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Nailed it. Hey everybody, this is RJ, Ash, Ray, Brandon, Harrison, and Bronson. We host a Dungeons & Dragons podcast called Realms & Nerds. Some highlights of our show include wreaking havoc in every town we visit, blowing up hot tubs, killing off fan-favorite characters, high necromancers, inappropriate wedding etiquette, and every now and then, actually good storytelling. 
Join us in the realms of Pridea for fun fantasy adventures. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just about wherever you get podcasts. Hey, welcome back, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed those promos. Uh, go check out those awesome D&D podcasts. They're good friends of the show, and they're good people. Um, so we want to take the second half of the show to kind of talk a little bit about not really the mechanics of RPGs, but more so the things that make RPGs fun in our eyes. I would say DM mentalities is a big one. Yeah, DM DM and player mentalities. So in any tabletop game, obviously you have your rules, and that dictates generally what your characters can and cannot do mechanically in the game. That being said, every tabletop game, and, and most DMs subscribe to this, it's called the rule of cool. Which means, even if the rules don't directly say you can do it, or, you know, sometimes there's something in the rules that, hey, you wouldn't be able to do this. If it's a cool thing you want to do, because that's the whole thing with any of these tabletop games, you're creating a character who's, like, a badass. (laughs) Unless you're playing one of those weird tabletop games where, you know, you're just a common folk i play D for the same reason i play video games i want the power trip exactly like and and obviously D is more story driven in my eyes you can get those dungeon crawl campaigns but for the most part it's about telling these character stories and you want them to seem cool so your character a lot is, fa- of... is facing down a 20 foot tall giant what do you do i run exactly. up a 90 degree well and parkour my way up so I can bonk him on the head with my mace. Exactly. And and you could just and it's also down to oh, man, description. It's down to player descriptions too. It's you know, if you hit, you could just say, Yeah, I whack him with my sword, and that's just the fight. It's whack, 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 whack. Done. Do you like my sword, sword? My but the, sword, sword. The best part of D D is like, okay, you roll, you hit. Now describe the awesome, like, I've had uh, times playing as my sorceress. Uh, She is a tiefling sorceress who has draconic scales because of how she's built. Can I just say, y'all said said half demon for a tiefling, and I didn't say anything, but person with horns. Yeah, person with, they have infern, they have demon blood in them. Their great, 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 many times great grandmother fucked a demon. May, no, it's generally they made a deal with the devil. But that that's semantics. A small genetic loan of a million mana. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I've had points where it's like, you know, she'll be, someone will attack her with a sword and they'll miss. And it's not just, oh, they just miss. It's no, she like grabs the sword with her scaled hand because it's armored. And nobody says anything because it's cool. I know that's not technically rule of cool, but that's player mentality of descriptions. Well, the the general power of both player and DM when describing a situation is 
honestly, with with a lot of newer parties or people who are maybe a little overly set, like rules oriented, like this is the letter of the rule. Um, that type, like that type of mentality, gets lost. The those that focus yeah. too much on the rules, it's literally no. Your characters are standing in a 16 by 16 grid pattern and Whoa. that is how you move you walk up to the enemy you swing your sword you hit or you miss and they take damage or they don't whereas that's the with person a... that likes fourth edition <laughs> <laughs> See, actually the one time i played fourth edition i actually had a good time because i had a good dm so my yeah. my one time playing fourth edition was actually really good like, we had the stupid little playing cards for the skill abilities and the, the weird, you know, time locks for specific abilities and all that stuff. Um, but I had a lot of fun because the DM was very big on Rule of Cool. Yeah, so that's like my my only time playing 3.5, which until 5th, you know, everybody was like, oh, 3.5 or Pathfinder. Those are what you want to play. My only time ever playing 3.5 was shitty because of the DM. Yeah. yeah, and that's a big thing with any tabletop game. It's I, I've talked to people who they, they've they come up to me and it's like, oh, I don't like that because the DM... Like, you, you need a good DM to enjoy playing these games. And good yes, players. Like, not everybody wants to play a story-heavy game where they're just improv emotional beats. Not everybody yeah. wants to play a combat-heavy game. But there there's always a mix. And as a, as, especially as a DM, you need to talk to your players before a game starts. Like our our game we were talking about before the break that we play on Thursdays. We all had a conversation at the beginning talking about what we wanted. And we literally told Twilight at the start, we wanted ways to talk our way out of every fight. Yeah, I gave you guys a list of qualities of a game and told you to list from most important to least importance. And I think the only and, one that didn't have a say in that was Control because we got him like three sessions later. Yeah. But I, I think I gave that. you a promise that, okay, fighting was not the highest priority for you guys above roleplay. So I would give you a chance to talk your way out of every fight. But if you get into a fight, I will try to kill you. And right. that's led to a very non, non-fighting non campaign because you guys talk your way out of fights a lot. Because I made a character with charisma up the ass. And Control is just a naturally charismatic guy. That's true. And th- that's another thing. Like, a lot of people will, pl- will play their characters to the stats, which is, which is fine. But sometimes, you know, the player, how charismatic the player is, will influence how the DM allows them to roll. Which has happened before, especially in fifth edition it's granted control advantage and me advantage on things just because of how we're able to speak yeah and, well, and i don't I'll, think you guys roll at all because you're able to phrase your words so well and i was, I was about to say like the way because the character i have with our campaign is he's a monk he has little charisma he has a little intelligence he has high wisdom you know he is not normally supposed to be the overly well-spoken character. However, the way that he has developed over the course of camp of the campaign is like, no, he is the tactician. 
he is bird yeah, dad. He is bird dad. Um, but he's a tactician. He thrives on knowledge. He loves books. So he, you know, when he enters a situation, it's like the character himself is like, no, this is all the facts that I know about what's going on. This is what I need to hap have happen. So here's my plan to follow. Yeah, there's also that. Um, but it's like, you know, he doesn't go in with the average mentality of a monk where, depending on what type of monk you Yeah, depending on how you portray him, it's like, all ways must lead to peace, or this is a problem that's standing in my way. I need to fist it as hard as I can. And yes, I chose that phrasing specifically. I wasn't going to say oh, yeah. anything. Monks are all about that fisting. Um, but yeah, he, oh, he does... <laughs> He doesn't go into a situation looking for the fight. He's looking for what is the optimal solution. And I roleplay that for every situation. If combat comes up, he's not one to shy from it, but he would rather not have it be a thing. And having, you know, having a good DM, having good party members who can roll through that both in their characters and out of their characters with the story in general makes everything happen more fluidly. And if you want to have a combat heavy campaign that can be done as well. But as you said, it's something you need to talk about before. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I just went on. A <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Cause I, that, that's what I wanted to, this second part to be, you know, we've all kind of said where I think in a way that, the diplomacy you guys do in my campaign has become the rule of cool because I rarely make you guys roll for it and just let you have it because of the way that you talk. Well, yeah, and I mean, half the time we forget information and it's like, all right, you know, we're not going to do it. Stuff check. Yeah. And even then, sometimes you don't even do that. Like if we think it's like, I feel like I'm forgetting something. You'll say, okay, roll a remembering check because I still have that information right here. But if we never think to ourselves, am I forgetting something? You let it slide. It's like, okay, your character does not remember that detail at all because you yourself don't remember that detail. <laughs> and half the time it's a little bit muddled because I do post a lot of extra stuff the characters don't know. That, yeah, but that's something very specific to our game. You let us see the lore you're building for your world, which... I, I'm going to give you a compliment on the podcast here. You have built one hell of a world, Twy. Especially and because you've taken what is generally known as one of the big bads of D&D &D and not just made them generic evil. <laughs> I like you, Mott. No, <laughs> Probably too much. I, I, no, I know you do, but you... Tiamat, you know, if you tell most people Tiamat, they think the evil five-headed dragon god must kill in our game tiamat is since she split up into her five different heads she's now become someone the party can talk to and that has caused discourse in the party because some of us don't like think she should be well some of us don't like the dragon some of us think she should just be left the hell alone because they just want to go home and this is all going over the listener's head because they don't know anything about our game. But 
I, so, I just want to... And all of you I just assume that this five-headed dragon god doesn't want to be a god anymore. No, that's not true. But yeah, I, I just want to say... The argument is always she's not act actively looking how to become one dragon again. Yeah, but just because somebody makes that argument doesn't necessarily mean that they believe it. They could just be trying to make the argument. Yeah. But I, I did just... Flat earth yeah, exactly. <laughs> I... I was, I was going to bring up, like, the, the fact that we have so much extra lore in our hands bring, brings up one of the risks of Rule of Cool and having a very open campaign, which is metagaming. Having yeah. your character know something that you as a player know, but your character has no actual way of knowing. It, mm. it is the greatest risk and generally very jarring for any party, both for the other players and especially for the DM, because it's like... If you know, you... my god, this character that you just met is a god. Yeah, and, and that's our specific... Like, one of the specific examples we could bring up is our party meets a random character someone we have never met before but in one of the extra lore bits that you had provided us makes a mention of this character what they look like and one of the party members immediately reacts in the most overly dramatic way you know acting like this person is god on earth and it's like we don't know that. Why are that you doing even, this? That wasn't even a lore bit. That was me literally posting up their picture saying... Yeah, that, that was a drawing this, you did. How does this look? I am practicing how to draw humanoids. Yeah. that And you know what? That is true. But, but you know, at, for general examples, though, like, that that is a constant risk. And having good players who understand that breakpoint. I mean, hell, our last session, I literally stopped mid-statement like, hey, is this something I would my character would have actually known? I'm, you know, because admittedly was we have this, a lot of notes. Was this from my from one of my books that I stole or bought? Or is this from the lore tales that they don't know? Yep. And and you know what? You you know, I brought up the question and you said, no, this this was from an extra lore. I was like, okay, Rephrase, so I will talk. To, I will say this. Yeah, and and that was the, exactly. It was a case of all right. That bit of information is not something I actively know. However, I can make inference by this information my character does know to provide a statement of similar intent. So many books. <laughs> yeah, it it helps and, to have a library, and it really. You know, it that is the main thing with any tabletop role-playing game. Metagaming can make or break a party. I never heard of it make a party. Well, well it, proper the response. Lack, proper the response, lack yeah. of metagaming <laughs> and, usually makes a party. Or the proper response from the DM. Like, your character wouldn't know that, so do you want to rephrase it in a way that your character would know? Admittedly, I did not do that as well. Yeah, but that's because yeah. a lot of the times we catch ourselves. Yeah, and, and getting and getting blindsided by it can kind of throw off your game. So you're sitting there thinking, well, now how do I respond to this situation instead of, hey, you don't actually know that. It it It's hard to tell a person outright, like, 
no, your role play is wrong when it seems like this person has been putting a lot of thought into what their response is going to be or how their reaction is. So just telling someone outright no can be hard. Mm-hmm. Especially with new DMs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, and like our example that we keep bringing up is like, that was something that kind of broke the party in a way. Cause it, it was a absolute case of we, we can't, the party can't be trusted with additional lore because what we can't trust one individual player to not try and make use of that in their role play. Mm-hmm. Because they now have, like, they they magically have knowledge they shouldn't have. Well, we're no longer going to get these extra lore bits, these world-building pieces of information. There is you another know. side to that coin, though. Where that character, in the example, had an overly dramatic reaction to this random NPC that they met... There is also the side of the coin where Shane was on, where, yes, he knew he was going to meet this character eventually and was planning a whole scene of how his character would react to it. But he was going to wait until his character actually knew about this this NBC. Yeah, but that that's me as the player that's separating. That's right. Well, yeah, because that's not metagaming. That's just me going, no, my character doesn't know that, but I know it, so I'm going to... Like, I know how my character would react. Yeah. Um, Planning reaction versus creating reaction would would kind of be the way to look at that. Planning a reaction based on information the player knows versus how they believe their character would respond to finally learning that information versus creating a reaction for a situation that hasn't come up yet, for information that hasn't come up yet before it has a chance to. Yeah. Um, just as a quick aside, uh, Light does have to go. So, Light, yeah. uh, do you want to plug your Twitter and stuff before you head out? Uh, and do you have anything to, any final thoughts to add before you head out? Uh, one thing I did want to add is uh, the, in relation to like the rule of cool and, and whenever you're actually collaborating with uh with the players uh, and the DM in a more open game, because some games are more on rails than others, uh, and sometimes people like that, but in, in a more open-ended game, um, the first three major cities that the party entered in the game that I run have all had fundamental changes happen to them <laughs> due strictly to player decisions that weren't planned. Evolving world. Yeah, and and that's always been on the back of my mind and very interesting and fun. Mm-hmm. Except it's hard to plan what a party's going to do when they can see where the railroad is going and they don't want to go on it. Well, that that actually might be a good... Since Light does have to go anyway, uh, that might be a good final point to end on is if you want to run a game, and this is strictly for new DMs or even existing DMs. If you're thinking about, you know, stepping away from modules and trying to write your own world, write a base outline for your story and the session, but just know that your players 
are going to take your carefully laid out plans, throw them yeah. into a fire and toast marshmallows over them. If you're if you're planning anything as a DM, for one, it's easier to just get into it than trying to read it. Trust me, as somebody who read mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, and two, when you're writing a story, you're not writing a story. Write, write characters. Yeah. Write what the characters know, want, and all of that, and then let the players guide the story itself. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, exactly. you, you'll <laughs> always be screwed. They say yeah. have a plan A, B, and C, but you'll never be able to comprehend that the party has a plan L. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's how my party ended <laughs> up with a pet you, you can, you can plan That's A, true. B, and C, but the players will have a plan 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> Summoning Cthulhu so. to fight our enemies for us? Well, it's an idea. It's not a good <laughs> idea, but it's an idea. Random Medusa child that was meant to test the morality of the party. She becomes the party mascot. Yeah. She she played a lot into the story though. Later, like we wrote, you wrote her into the story though because of that, and now yeah. she's a fundamental part of one of the character storylines. Ha- having yeah, flexibility because I had to, because yeah. I had to account for the players having a plan L. All right, but, at King Kegel on Twitter. Yeah, check light out at King Kegel on Twitter. Um, take care, light. Yeah, later, light. Mm-hmm. And unless you guys have anything else to add, I actually have one final thing for anybody who's skeptical about getting into tabletop RPGs. Uh, I have something about character building. Okay. I mean, so I, I think that's my one weakness and part of why I enjoy D&D so much is I make characters. Like, Ben and I have this in common where we just make characters upon characters upon characters. It was like, I use D&D Beyond. You know, mm-hmm. if only we could get sponsored by them. No, please, <laughs> no. I, 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 I hear that's kind of a rigmarole in and of itself, but... Uh, I well, like... we also aren't an RPG podcast, so why the hell would they sponsor us? <laughs> give it time, give it time. <laughs> um, but no, I, I enjoy using it because it has access to the books, and I can, I can build up dream characters so you get six default slots to build characters all of mine are always used i've actually debated buying more slots just so i could have more character (laughs) sheets to just keep making stuff and part of the reason though that i like doing that is i can make random ass backstories for each of them but for like new players one of the things that all like when i first started making characters i always thought like how how can i min max in a straightforward like you attack the dragon the dragon takes 10 damage min maxing yeah fine whatever you're not you're not role playing anything it's not going to have as great of an impact because you're just you're you're hoping your roles are bigger than your enemy's roles to win the fight but creating a in-depth character, you know, you might not even have a great deep backstory for our campaign. You know, my bird dad had no backstory initially. He but... fell out of the sky into a chocolate cave. Yeah, that was still the weirdest, <laughs> weirdest situation of dice rolls. But you know, I I had a general I had a general idea of what 
his character his character attitudes were going to be about and so i i built this character up i had an idea for what type of you know character he was supposed to be what mechanics he would have but knowing their personality like create creating some type of personality for them is almost more important for having a well-made thoughtful campaign mm -hmm. over my dice rolls are bigger than your dice rolls especially if you have a good dm that can like work with you on that we me lighten you tossed around different situations and i think arnett's had like five different backstories but eventually we settled on the one that you're with currently which well, you were right gradually unfolding and and we kind of melded all of those different iterations to create. Because initially it was like, yeah, your your character was this. And then it was like, oh, but your character's actually this. And your character first, actually went through this. I think my first iteration of Arnett was that the reason he fell out of the sky into a chocolate cave was that he got picked up by the magic storm that's a natural disaster in my game in his bed, in his temple. But... Later, that got scrapped, and you started developing a more rich personality with him just because you had to deal with the Medusa child that none of the party knew how to care for. Yep. And, and because... that developed into new uh, personality traits. Her dad. And, well, and your character and my character, even though my character has this, you know, my character's backstory is based off of a previous game your character and my character have kind of become the support for each other. Almost. You're both captain. <laughs> well, no, it's not even a, you're both captain. It's Siri is. Siri Arnett is, is Siri is brash and young and Arnett technically being Eric Okra, he is the youngest party member, <laughs> but, but by years, is, but he is, experienced and down to earth so you have this at the beginning of the campaign this brash young headstrong individual who's like consequences what are those versus this down to earth you know i've gone through things i've seen some things character who's now like things are at that point but yes but but that was what he was kind of designed to be especially as we developed him more but now it's kind of the case of i'm here to give you your reality check as you're coming into your own it's like siri goes through an event and arnett acts as the like anchor point of you know this is a thing that's happened here are the results but it's not insurmountable Whereas, and then for the reverse, Arnett is more of the, you know what, I'm going to take my time because, you know, that's that's how I do everything. Where And having the character of Siri be like, no, now isn't the time for thinking, now is the time for action, kind of pushes my character into being, you know, more of a active, react, like, active character instead of the sit back and watch things happen and now he's getting more and more involved 
exactly me as dm when i know how to poke both of your buttons into, but and, into, and poke you both into being a mindless rage monster and this goes farther into our you know for a DD game to be as fun as possible for all parties involved the players and the dm have to talk and sometimes you know what you're not gonna get you're not going to agree with a de- decision a DM makes. You're going to have a character die. It's going to happen. Yes, it's going to suck. But at the end of the day, whether unless you really have a jackass of a DM, they aren't trying to kill you. They don't want your character to die, generally. Yeah. Well, because it ends like... The the DM and the, the players fun. are yeah they're they're trying to build a story, technically against each other. <laughs> each side is trying to create their story. So the DM is providing, you know, the world and the experience, but the player characters are the true authors of the story. So the the DM sitting there, it's like here is your setting, here is your bad guy. I am going to be role-playing your bad guy. You are role-playing the hero in most cases, sometimes the anti-hero, sometimes the neutral Evil party. Bag. <laughs> so Sometimes the jackass that just so happens to be in the hero position. Um, but you're both building up your stories and then pushing them together and a good like melding mechanic like when you work well together on both halves you can push them together and there's no issue you know um for some reason in my mind have you seen the videos of like the perfectly cut like iron cubes that when they when you slide them together there is no seam but they are two separate parts yes you can like you can get that when the DM and the party work together. But when the party starts doing things to screw over the DM or the DM is actively trying to kill off characters just because, you know, when when one side starts taking it overly personal or starts thinking that they are more important than the whole, that's when you get disjointed. That's when everything starts to collapse around it. You can no longer mesh well together and the whole thing falls to pieces. And, and that's been a thing in my campaign for like three or four times at this point. But, and that, that's the other thing. It's if if the players start to notice the DM maybe going a little kill crazy, to, for lack of a better term, or, you know, going away from that, you know, the joint storytelling and they're just trying to write a book with your players as the, you know characters in the book or the dm made a mistake it doesn't have any earthly idea how to fix it yeah but that's a point where you need to talk yeah and that's something in our game that led to the current game we play on thursdays both me twilight and light all felt that the dm no longer was working with us to tell a story. He was off to create his own story 
and we were just along for the ride. And that's when, especially me, stopped having fun. And and that kind of like that brings up railroading. Yeah. And railroading Dave skulls and shackles into the tomb of horrors. <laughs> and that's the thing. Railroading is not always bad. Sometimes it has to happen. Yeah. It because sometimes, you know, the party may just not understand what they should do next. And it comes to at those points is when the DM kind of has to just they have to take control. You know? Yeah. Sometimes the DM has to say no and it's like this is going to happen. Like once once or twice in the campaign, there have been times where I've started session telling you guys, okay, this is gonna be a very railroady session. But and that that's the other thing. You've told us that. I need to get to I need to get to this plot point, so this is going to be a railroady session. And that's turned out quite well. Yeah. And because you communicate with us. Well, and it, it, can, it can be done without saying outright. Yeah. yeah, it can be done without outright saying, like, this is going to be a railroady session. But that that is one of those traits that comes from long-term experience. Like, I don't think I have that trait. I haven't no. DM'd a campaign before i have stuff written up to start a campaign but i don't Mm -hmm. have enough of a world built yet in my personal opinion to start it and really keep it going but i started looking at dming everyone was saying start with a module start with a one shot yeah i was i was stupid threw that out the window and made myself an entire world to explain but there's nothing wrong with starting with creating a world because modules and one shots are designed to be railroaded. You have Mm -hmm. set objectives. You have set timelines. Like your, your party is this, you are here. Your final objective is this. You are meeting with this person to start the campaign. Go. Um, I did a, actually it was at my vape shop. Um, Mm -hmm. and we ran a module. And that was what it was. It was all your characters are starting off in a prison. Oh, God, you're playing an Elder Scrolls game. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. Um, Yeah, we were in the Underdark. It was one of the Underdark campaigns. And it was all very scripted. We did kind of break script at one or two spots. But it was within the constraints of the full campaign itself. So it was like there was one sequence we were supposed to do one thing. We opted to do another thing, and we bypassed this whole extra side quest by going through that method. Um, that campaign ended very quickly, though, when we, uh, our party rogue, shot a summon. Uh, it wasn't a summon demon. It was a god. It was like a. It was a deity. Oh he, no! He shot a deity who, like, in this campaign, is like she's getting married or something. It, and he shot her, dealt no damage, but ruined her dress. And he's just like, ah. <laughs> roll 66. Or, okay. you know, it, it, it was literally just it, a, all right, new character sheet. <laughs> We're sitting there like, it, it was oh, that, fuck. all right, uh, roll 3d6. <laughs> yep. Roll another 3d6. Ah, shit, I'm rolling a new character, aren't I? Yeah, yes. it, it was one of those situations. And the original 
way that that it was supposed to play out was we go to like we get to this point we get caught and then we were just literally supposed to wake up back in town but the method that we got to this specific point we didn't go <laughs> through the front door we climbed the back of this tower and got straight to the the boss room basically so instead of breaking in the front door her seeing us and resetting us we went in through the back door surprised her and shot her and it was like well at that point you've literally pissed her off by ruining her wedding gown she kills you <laughs> i was like oh okay and that is one of the points that you know the dm could have said like the the method we were using to climb the tower he could have said doesn't work um and that is, it, that is one thing i like for certain dms being able to say no to a nat 20 yeah Nat 20 never means auto-success unless it's an attack. Exactly. And, and I've done that. Guys, I try to give you guys at least something if you manage a nat 20. Well, no, and that that's fine. You can give your player something, but, it, you know, I've had my my party that I run on Saturdays. People have rolled nat 20s, and I've given them, like, well, you find this, but it was a nat 20. Yeah, but you're not just going to spontaneously know information out of the ether. <laughs> exactly. Like, you're not going to convince this character to to shoot their friend in the back. Yeah. You know, you're not that good. But, yeah, so for, we could say, for closing statements, in the end, for D&D, for, for new and for well-seasoned players understanding having an understanding <laughs> jump back to the point to uh for seasoned and for new players understanding players dm's understanding players and players understanding dm and the expectations between both is important to having a good campaign you could be the newest of players and you could have a fantastic time as long as you work out the the kinks, you know, and they might come at random and you address it as they show up. But the communication is the key part of that. And for seasoned players, you know, sometimes it's okay to break the mold. Mm -hmm. It, you know, just because the rule book says A doesn't mean B isn't an option, doesn't mean C isn't an option. It just means you need to talk to your DM. Yep. Yeah. And the DM needs to talk to the players. It's like the DM could have a point where they're sitting there like, hey, guys, where you are now, nothing is going to happen. So, you know, here, you know, here's where we need to get to. Here's where we're at. You know, I will try and provide methods to get from A to B, but I will trust you enough to kind of to get to get to B. Yeah, build build into that with your own care, like with your own methods. Exactly. And uh, on an unrelated, I know we're referencing D and D a lot, but that's just because that's the system we all play the most. There is Pathfinder. Pathfinder, <laughs> which is just it's D and D again. But there's so many different systems and genres out there of RPG. Hell, D&D, you can technically just take the system of D&D &D and apply that to any world, but 
I tried to make Game a Mass Effect through. one, and then uh, Mass Effect came out with their own, and I did not like the way they had it set up. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and and if something like if you want to play, like I'm going to use Shadowrun as an example. You want to play a cyberpunk game, but I don't like Shadowrun. Okay, cool. Make a D and D game and set it in a cyberpunk city. Or you really like Shadowrun? Hell, there's. I I don't think there's actually a way to convert Shadowrun to like a fantasy setting, but yeah, not with a lot of the mechanics that they have. But yeah, you like there's something for text. you out there. Well, and it it's all in flavor text. Um, the artificer, you know, their whole idea is they create magic tools. Guess what? That's what a scientist does. He makes science. The artificer is just a it's science using magic. So exactly. you, you transition that if you like say you're going to Shadowrun, it's like magic is just technology. You know, you're you cast magic missile. All right. Instead of it being magic missile, it's technically called seeker shot. You know, you you change the name of it, but the general mechanic can stay the exact same. Yeah. You know, your character's not wearing plate mail. They're wearing a Kevlar vest. Yeah, you know, they're, they're wearing, they're wearing heavy they're wearing body armor. Yeah, it's... you. It, 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 the only restriction you have is your imagination. So, go forth. If, if you want to... If you're thinking about getting into D&D, find a group. Go to your local game store. Find a group. Well, not right Go, now. Well, not right now. Yeah, don't do it right now. <laughs> Most game stores are probably closed. But yeah, don't. But that being said, go online. There's a bunch of online resources. Like Roll Twenty has looking for group pages. Go for you. Slay the dragon. Save the princess. Exactly. Or go and forth. Topple the corporation. Save the princess. Beat capitalism. And get laid by a dragon. <laughs> Get laid by a dragon. Get that uh, genetic loan of a million mana. <laughs> but with that, uh, it's a good time to end. I know this episode ran really long, but we're all big fans of D&D, and we wanted to do one episode just kind of focusing on that. So, And I got dared to talk through an entire... And Twy got dared to talk through an entire episode. <laughs> so... Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for supporting the show. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled, like regular show type next week. Uh, if you, you like the content, oh, I was going to say you can find our information down below. Yep. So check the description. That'll have all of our links to our Twitch channels, deviant arts, Twitters, all that. But for now, take care, be good, stay safe at me, bro. <laughs> Just him, though, not me. Don't at me. <laughs> no, that works.